Welcome to the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about CPE, go to breadoflifeboise.org. It is another good day to go to the Word of God and there look to Jesus Christ as our only Savior and our complete sufficiency in all things. If you have access to your Bible, get ready to open them up, and before them let us all together say, Lord, we are listening. Speak to us today. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The lack of authority in the message of the Christian church today is directly related to the lack of authority in the message of Christ to the church today. You can't speak and live with authority unless you're under the authority of Jesus Christ. The first step towards having an authoritative message to give to others is to listen to God's Word and live in obedience to Christ's commands. As you do that, There will be three growing awarenesses in your life that will shape your message to others. The awareness that God is relevant is the first one, that God lives and is engaged in everything around you. The second awareness is the awareness that God is the rightful owner of our lives and the rightful owner of the lives of all others, and we become passionate to see that ownership expressed everywhere. And the last awareness that builds in us is the awareness that we are before God at all times and that He is the one who matters most of all. God claims Israel as a special people and in the same way that God claims Israel as a special people today, God has claimed all those within the church of Jesus Christ. Those who have believed in Him and put their trust in Him and been formed together to worship Him throughout this city and throughout the world, God claims them in a special relationship with himself. Not only that, God is the creator of all men and all women, and he's the maker of all things. And in that sense, God has put upon all of creation, upon all men, the stamp of his ownership so that God has commanded and called all men everywhere to worship him and bow before him. But here's the point. When you listen and obey God's voice, you begin to hear God speaking of his claiming power over all things, including yourself. You begin to feel the claim of God over your own life, and then you see that this claim extends beyond you to all those around you, and you begin to live with an awareness of being owned, and you begin to live with an awareness that the stamp of God is on all those around you, that God claims as well, and you become jealous that God might have the full expression of his ownership in the lives of all those around you. You know that to some extent there's not going to be peace And there's not going to be a reconciliation of life of one man to another man when they're living in rebellion to the one who holds them and owns them and claims them. So the prophet sees everything inscribed with God's initials. He's jealous for those things to be completely submitted to God's rule. Paul actually expresses this sense of jealousy in God's ownership of the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Let, them, let me read them to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes of this, of this prophetic jealousy, desiring and longing to see God's ownership cast and claimed and expressed throughout the Christian, but throughout the body of Christ, throughout the church. Would to God that you would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm jealous 
that God might express all of his reign and rule over your life and that you might not disembark from his will and purpose for you. I want you to come before him and see him as the one who has betrothed you or claimed you to himself as your, his bride. And he to you as his, your groom and your husband. And my desire and my goal is to present you and see you remain and stay in that relationship. That's what Paul says of his attitude towards the church. Paul actually expresses the same jealousy of God for all people in Acts chapter 17. Take your Bibles for a moment and go there. Verses 16 through 30. It's a rather lengthy passage. Paul comes into the city of Athens and he's preaching to the Athenians about God, the God they don't know. And in it you'll see Paul's growing passion and jealousy that the ownership of God over these people might be expressed in their complete and utter worship of him. Verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? And others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of a foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. It's Mars Hill. It's the place over the city where they would introduce all new forms of religions and gods and philosophies. Saying, may we know what this new doctrine is that you speak of. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, and therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the object of your worship, and by the way, we know what happened when he saw them. Remember, he was provoked in his spirit when he saw those things. When I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life to all and breath to all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the divine nature as like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by the art of men's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. He calls them to turn to God and worship God and believe in God and put their faith in God. But you see the jealous passion of the prophet rising as he lives in obedience to God's voice. He hears God's voice and obeys. He senses God's relevancy and God's presence, and then he begins to become aware of the pulsating sound of God's claiming ownership over everything. And his passion and his jealousy rises that that ownership should be expressed. The next thing he becomes aware of is this. 
God's presence becomes more significant to that person than anything or anyone else. God's presence becomes more significant to this prophet. As he hears God and obeys God, what happens is he sees that God is relevant over every issue of life, and then he begins to see that God claims ownership over every area of life, and then the next thing is he becomes aware that God's presence is the most significant thing in his life above anything and anyone else. And so Elijah comes and says, the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Do you see that? The Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Let's go back to the account. Elijah leaves Tishbe in the region of Gilead. He trods all his way out of the mountains of Arabia, comes all the way down into Samaria, enters into Samaria into the presence of the king of Israel who has established himself as the high priest of Baal over the land. You can be assured that Ahab has surrounded himself with all of the expressions of power and authority. He's got all of his soldiers lined up, all of his guards lined up, all the regalia of royalty around him and surrounding him. Here comes little Elijah into this place. Everything in this setting has been put up to impress him with the presence of Ahab. When Elijah comes before Ahab, he tells Ahab, I'm not impressed by your presence. I stand, you stand, before the Lord God of Israel who is alive and relevant. Elijah is more impressed with the greatness of his God than any of the greatness that might be expressed around him in the court of Ahab because he stands before him, before the living God. I think we need to be careful not to be overly conscious of the world, but how do we do that? You're going to be overly fixated on the world if you're listening to the world. You're going to lose your fixation on the power and influence of this age when you spend more and more time listening and obeying the voice of God and following Him. And the more you hear His word and the more you follow His direction, the more you become disentangled from the claims of the world around you and the less those voices appeal to you. And You need to cultivate in your life a life before Him, listening to Him and obeying Him and... <coughs> You need to be less mindful of the world around you. You need to be most mindful of God and His presence. and That's what we need to carry out our mission. Listen to Him. He's speaking to you. Obey Him. He's commanding you. His word is here. Read it, but don't read over it. Go under it. Read it and hear His voice as He speaks to you and commands you and makes His will known to you. Read it with the intent to find his purpose and be obedient and submissive to it. Whatever it says, and however it might strip you bare. In the world in which you live today, what are you most aware of? What voice do you hear more than anything else? What voice seems to predominate your day? Is it the voice of all the people around you? Is it the voice of all the concerns and all around you so that you would measure up to them? Is it your inner voice? Your complaints? Is it your own philosophizing? Is it the protests that come within you or your concerns or your desires demanding for things? Is it the excuses that you make? Is it the voice of the accuser coming to you and constantly trying to bring you into shame? God is speaking. God is not silent. He's never stopped speaking. He speaks now. He's here. Listen to him. Obey him. And... He'll begin more and more presiding over your life. You'll live under his authority. 
you'll find yourself in the process gaining authority in the world in which you live so that you can speak for him. Listen to the progression one more time. Here's the progression of gaining authority to speak in your world. You know that God has spoken to you and you've heard him and you've obeyed. You live in obedience and as you live in obedience, you become increasingly aware that he's alive and relevant to your life and everyone around you. As you begin to grow in that obedience, you become increasingly jealously longing that his ownership might be lay hold of the lives around you and lay further and further hold of your own life that God might get from you all that he has a right to claim. As that grows in your life, you become more and more aware that he's present and less and less aware of the presence of everything else pressing in upon you. And in this comes authority to face down the age, to speak against it when necessary and to always speak to it of the forgiveness and grace of God at all times. It's the kind of authority that led Elijah to go into the court of Ahab and say, but by my word. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thanks for listening in today to The Bread of Life. We're a program of the International Discipleship and Church Planting Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism, and its Associate Mission Church in Boise, Bread of Life Fellowship. This program looks to you for its support. We invite you to learn more about our work in the community and around the world by going to our website, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also find links to the radio broadcast and to full-length sermons. Until the next time, may God bless you.